Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Um, we're going to look at the story of Hannah this month. And as I mentioned earlier, Hannah is um, longing to be a mother. She's been married for years and has been unable to have children. And as a result, her husband has married, has taken another wife. And through that wife, um, he has gained children. And so Hannah is now no longer the primary um, partner in this relationship, but is now secondary because she is not able to fulfill what a woman in this time was meant to fulfill. And, and her husband, his name is Elkanah, and he's very faithful to the Lord. Every year he goes to where he's supposed to go to offer sacrifices at every celebration, and he brings his family along um, with him. And so we're going to start in verse 4. And it says this, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, um, Penae, and to all of her sons and all of her daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And look at this, it says, and the Lord closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed her womb, in verse six, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Her husband would say to her, Hannah, why, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat something? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more, than, more to you than even 10 sons? Then in verse 9, it says, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, where they were offering the sacrifices, Hannah stood up, so she got up from the table. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost in the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow to the Lord, saying this, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, don't forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head, or his hair will never be cut. And as she kept praying to the Lord, Eli, who's the priest, observed her mouth. She was watching her, and he said, no voice was heard. Eli thought she, or it says this, Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And then she said this, this is not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. Instead, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant as a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, he said, listen, go in peace. 
and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she replied, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. In verse 19, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I have asked of the Lord for him. Let me pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that your word would do exactly what it says in Isaiah, that it goes out and does exactly what you want it to, not what we want it to. God, we don't want to manipulate it to get our way, but we want it to infiltrate and penetrate our hearts so that you have your way. And so, God, we thank you and let us be transformed into the image of your son by the power of your word and the leading of your spirit. Um, What we're reading here in these few verses is just compressed of what Hannah went through. Since year after year, she experienced this. So, so this was years of tears. This was years of praying. This was years of frustration. This was years of humiliation and chapter and verse after verse. And what we're reading is essentially a summary. And to understand where she's at would be tough for maybe some of us, but then others of us can ex- like relate um, exponentially because we've experienced something very similar. But what you have to understand is, is, is seeing... Hannah, as her husband's first wife, unable to bear him children, he then marries again that gives her multiple children. So not only is she living with this personal insecurity that she's not able to do what a woman is supposed to be able to do and provide for her husband, she's also having to deal with the content of her husband's second wife. And so she's taunting her, she's making fun of her, um, and then you also have the bonehead husband, and he makes this statement, why are you so sad? Like, why don't you eat something? And the way the New Living Translation puts it is, aren't I better than 10 other sons? Like, like, why do you need kids? You have me. What kind of ridiculous answer is that to console your wife? Guys, don't ever, like, if your wife needs something and you say, well, what do you need that for? You got me, just, just apologize and go get whatever she needs, like, So she's having to deal with insecurity, somebody making fun of her, and a husband who doesn't understand her. And this isn't just for a week, a month. This is year after year. This is what happens. And I think about some of us in this room and even my own self as we go into 2024 and that there are some prayers that have been prayed in this room that maybe have been unanswered, not just in 2023, but maybe you've been praying those since you were a child, a teenager, a young adult and they still haven't been answered. Maybe we're walking through frustrations because we've wanted promotions or jobs and they were denied, and there's been some unwanted transitions in our life that we didn't want to happen, but they happened outside of our control. Maybe you're in here and you're feeling stuck in your singleness. It's like, when is this season ever gonna end? Maybe you're stuck in a marriage that is not healthy right now, and you're wondering, how is this going to turn around? How is it gonna work? And maybe you're walking through infertility yourself or anything that we just feel stuck. We're in a dry season with the Lord. We're not hearing from him. And is, is this walking out this faith life even worth it? And so it comes with disappointment and tears and frustrations and all these things that, that, that Hannah is, is facing. I want to point out just a couple of things as, as we look at aligning our prayers with God's will. 
And a couple of things that, that we see when Hannah's praying, it says, first, Hannah prayed in her heart. She said that, that she made a vow. And it says that she prayed in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard in, in, in verse 12. Some of my most desperate and some of the most deepest prayers are the ones I can't find the words for. It's in the situations that I can't describe. It's in the needs that are too great for me. It's like my words fall short. And even though like my mouth is moving, even if I'm praying in the spirit and praying in tongues quietly to myself, just being built up in the Lord, there is still a greater prayer that's coming outside of my heart that, that I can't put into words. And this is where Hannah was at, that she desired to have a son so much, and she had prayed it so much that maybe it wasn't she couldn't find the words, but maybe it was because she had ran out of words. And I've been there, it was like, I don't know what else to pray, God. I've prayed your word. I've prayed scripture. I've prayed, I don't know what else. But it says she prayed in her heart. But Hannah also came to a place of surrender. And she said this, that if you give me a son, if you will look on your servant's misery, remember me, don't forget me, give me a son, and I will give him to the Lord and for all the days of his life. The New Living Translation puts it this way. She says, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you, and he will belong to you all the days of your life. And so you know what that recognizes is, is Hannah knows that if she conceives and gives birth to a son, that it's not just by natural reproduction, that, that, that God is involved in that. And before her son belongs to her, he first belonged to God. And that she is willing to give that that she has asked for for so long, that she's willing to give that when she receives it, to enjoy it for a season, but then give it back to God. And I wonder, like we look at the things that, that we ask for and we pray for, if we got it, how tightly would we hold on to it? Or would we be able to live in a place of surrender and submission completely to God that, that we can give it back to him? And so these two things, think about this. Like she was praying in her heart and she came to a complete place of surrender before God. And I also want us to look at, so we can continue, like the condition of Israel's heart in this season. And by Israel, I mean God's people. The book of Judges is the story of God's people finally becoming a nation, and they're led, and they're encouraged, and they're challenged, and they're corrected by prophets and these people that God raises up as judges to judge them, essentially. But the people aren't satisfied with that, so they start asking for a king. The very last verse in the book of Judges says this, in those days, Israel had no king. So this was before they had kings. And it says, all the people did whatever seemed right in their eyes. So that means they weren't really living according to what seemed right in God's eyes. They were doing whatever felt good, looked good, tasted good, seemed good to themselves, not following God's commands. And how many of us know when we're living that way, things do not go very well for us. Right, And so the children of Israel are in a season where things are not going very well for them. And it's getting to the place of transition from judges leading Israel to kings leading Israel. And it was going to be the priest that would initiate, it would be the priest that would anoint the first king to take the children of Israel from being led by judges to being led by kings. And it was going to be the priest's job to make that anointing. 
Now, the priest in this time, as we're reading about Hannah, the priest in this time was, was a gentleman named Eli. And Eli was the priest of the temple, but he was very negligent and lazy in his responsibilities in the temple. And not only that, he was very negligent and lazy in raising up his children in the ways of the Lord. And he had two sons named Phineas and Ferb. Um, did you guys, you guys watch that show? It's awesome. It's, it's not Phineas and Ferb. It's Phineas and Hophni, right? But his two sons were supposed to replace him as priests. But because of his neglect, they were crooked and they were broken priests, essentially. They were taking the sacrifices that were supposed to be meant, offered to the Lord from the people. They would take the best of cuts and they would take it home to their Blackstone and they would grill it for a meal. Or they would take the temple workers and they would seduce them to, to sleep. So they're, they're crooked. Their hearts are turned. And as a result of the priesthood turning, guess what's happening? The people of God's hearts are turning. But it's going to be a priest that anoints the first king. And so can we think this maybe? Can we speculate this? That Samuel becomes that priest to anoint the first king. That it was in God's plan for Samuel to be the priest to anoint the first king. But in order for Samuel to become the priest, the mother of the priest as an infant had to be willing to give up that child. And so we know this, that David says in Psalms, he says, you knew me before I was born. All the days of my life were laid before you. Jeremiah says this, before you were born, I set you apart. I consecrated you. So could it be that Hannah's barren season was a season to get her to a place of surrender. That it was to get her to a place to surrender what she desired most to fulfill God's plan that he had for Samuel, but also for the nation of Israel. That she would come to a place that she would give up her desires for children and motherhood to be able to show to her, her enemy that now I have a child. Because if, if, if we hold on to that, that which God has a purpose for, we're selfish, but he's bringing her to a place of complete surrender because he had a purpose for Samuel's life to be the priest to anoint the first king. And so he's bringing her to that place and thinking about situations in your life and my life and other people's life that I know. And when they've had opportunities and they prayed for things and there's been delays, there's been denies, and the prayer wasn't answered in the way that we thought, and we get years past and we look back and we can see the purpose in the deny or the delay. Or maybe we're still in the delay and we've not come maybe to accept the purpose of it. But can I say this? We've come to accept the goodness of God's nature even in it. That's why we spent the last six weeks of 2023 looking at God's nature. And I think we get so caught up in teaching about what's our purpose, what's God's purpose, that really the most important thing is not the purpose of the thing, but the nature of God. And that when we can come to understand that, then the purpose works out on its own. And so could it be that this is what, what Hannah has been walking through? And so I, I got to thinking about this in, in our lives, and maybe for some of the things that you wrote down, it's like they've not been answered. I want them answered. And, and it's this, is delays and denials are not a result of God's inability or desire to answer prayer. That, that, that when there's a delay or when there's a denial and something that we're asking for, we can be very suspicious of God and thinking that, that he's not for us, that he's against us, or maybe he can't or he won't. But just because there's a delay or denial, 
doesn't mean he does not have the ability or he does not have the desire to answer our prayer because scripture is very clear time and time again that he hears our prayers and when he hears our prayers, guess what he does? He answers those prayers. But we see the only answers that are answers as what? Yes, you can have this. Like that is when God answers prayers, but God's prayers are also no and not right now. And when God says not right now, it's for our benefit. When I tell my kids not right now, it's because I'm lazy and I don't want to think about it. Right? I don't wanna, like, like, but when God says not right now, it's because there's something he's working out in us or around us and we just haven't got there yet. And so it's not because of inability or lack of desire. But instead, it is an opportunity for us to align with God's heart and God's will. And that in that season that we're walking through, it's an opportunity for us to draw closer to God, to seek him and to align our heart and our will with his heart and his will. Why is that important? Because we receive what we ask for according to his will. We receive what we ask for according to his will. Most of the time what we do is we try to bend God's will to our wants. We try to bend God's wills to our wants, and we think we know what's best for us, and we try to get God on board with our plan. There's some things I've been trying to get God on board with my plan for a while, and if I continue to do that, like it's just it's going to be a lifetime of, of it not happening. But if we can align our will with God's, then we receive what we ask for. And Scripture says this in 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have. Not that God answers our prayers. Not that, that he has ability to. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to what? His will. So our confidence is not just being able to come to God and ask him for anything. That's great. But the confidence really comes when we know that it's according to his will and we come to him and ask it according to his will. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked him because it is according to his will. We receive what we ask when we ask according to his will. We sing a minute ago. Calling on the name changes everything. And we pray when I pray and we finish it. It's a powerful prayer and we wrap it up and we say this, in Jesus' name. That's a powerful prayer. And can I just be real and honest with you guys that there are times when I've prayed that and you probably prayed that and we think that's the magical word to get Jesus to do what we want because we're using his name with authority. But it's not his name with authority that makes a difference. It's his name with alignment that makes a difference. And so when we call something under Jesus's name, we should be aligning it with his authority and aligning it with his will. And so we're gonna pray for the things that you're writing on your card. We're gonna put them on the board in the back. We're gonna send them out to our prayer team and our staff in the mornings before we have our 9 a.m. service at 8.10 Sunday mornings, we spend time in prayer, praying for you, praying for the service, praying for our team. Those are going to be prayed over during those times. I want to see and hear testimonies of God answering those. He will answer those according to how we align ourselves to his heart and his will.
And so how do we pray his will? How do we align with his will? The first one is this, is we have to submit. Everyone say submit. You know, we want to tell younger folks that, but we don't want to have to do it ourselves, right? But there's always something that we have to walk in submission to. We have to submit to God's loving authority. And I've never really added that word before. I always say submit to God's authority. But let's talk about his nature. What is he? He's loving. He has all authority on heaven and earth. The earth is his footstool. There is no enemy greater than him. He's defeated. So he has all authority. But 1 John also tells us that God is love. And so it's not just authority. It is a loving authority. And if we're honest, sometimes we can be suspicious of God's motives. Is he really, is he really loving? Is he being selfish? But Scripture tells us time and time again that he's loving. But we have to submit to that authority. And that's why, for most of us, the first prayer that we ever prayed. If you are a follower of Jesus, the first prayer that you've ever prayed looks something like, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Come and lead me, guide me, direct me. Do you know what you're doing? Is you are coming under submission to his loving authority. But somewhere along the way, two years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years in following Jesus, we don't surrender as much to that loving authority and we try to do things our own way. But his authority is good for us. Do you agree? Just got a puppy. It's great. I told my kids I would never get him a puppy, but guess what dad did for Christmas? Got him a puppy, um, 12 weeks old. It's like having a newborn all over again. Except when you have a newborn, you can change them inside. When you have a dog, you have to take them where? Outside, in the rain, in the cold. And at two o'clock in the morning, guess who does it? Dad, right? And so we're trying to put all these good boundaries around our dogs. We're doing the kennel training. We're doing the leash training. We're doing like everything. And the leash training in the house for most people doesn't make sense. Why would you have a dog on the leash in the house? Because in order for them to be comfortable outside with a leash, we start inside. And so there's some authority that she's having to learn. It's a little six-foot leash, and we've got a collar on her. And so I will try to get her to come with the leash, and she doesn't. So we have hardwood floors, and she's tiny and furry, so she comes whether she wants to or not, <laughs> right? And I'm dusting my floor in the process. I'm just kidding. Maybe that's a good idea, though, right? Um, but when she goes to run off, and I've got the leash in hand, and she's fighting, and I just give a little tug, and she's fighting, jerking, and I'll give a little tug, or maybe I just won't do anything. I'll just hold it. And, and at some point, she'll finally just give up and she'll just lay down and just look up at me and just whimper. And my heart just melts. And I take the leash off. No, I'm just kidding. I pull her to me. And I'm just like, I love you. And it just seems like it doesn't make sense. But I want her to get used to the authority in the house with the leash now. So that when my kids go to take her outside where the danger is and the cars are and the bigger dogs are, she knows that that leash is just not a constraint, but it's a place of safety. And we have to understand that God's authority is not just a place of constraint, but when we're submitted to it, it's also a place of safety. And we're aligned in his will. And so we submit to his loving authority. The second is this, is we embrace God's priorities. We don't just pray for our things, but we pray for the right things. And we pray for the right things for the right reasons. We've all been guilty of praying for the right things for the wrong reasons. And the wrong things for the wrong reasons, right? 
but it's, it's knowing what God's priorities are. And that's what part of this 21 days of prayer and fasting is, is, is getting God's priorities back to our priorities. And we see in every single page in Scripture what his priorities are, our priorities in, in how we relate with him, our priorities in how we relate with other people, our priorities in how we relate with our material things, with our purpose, with our job, how we carry ourselves, his priorities on every page. And so we go there. We embrace his priorities, but then we also look at this. It's like there are things that in God's scriptures that, that we pray for that he gives that are in automatically alignment with his will. And I think if we would pray these prayers that I'm about to give you, those prayers that you're writing down will eventually be answered. And, and even when it doesn't look like what we thought, we will recognize it as an answered prayer because our hearts will be aligned with him. And the first one is this, is God forgive me. Like we prayed that the first time and maybe for the first year, but then how often do we just come to God and say, God, look, just forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and, and we know that he answers that prayer because scripture says in 1 John 1, 9, says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, not from some unrighteousness, not from part of it, but all of it. And so God, just forgive me. Second one is this, God, reveal yourself to me. God, reveal your, like, let me see you. Let me hear you. Let me know where you're moving. God, show yourself to me. He promises us this in Jeremiah 29. He says, look, if you look for me wholeheartedly, look, you're gonna find me. He says, I will be found by you. That's a prayer he's gonna answer. God, forgive me. God, show yourself to me. And I was talking with a team member before the 9 a.m. about this one. Um, God, give me wisdom. Jesus' brother James, in James chapter one, he says, if you ask for wisdom and you don't doubt, God gives it. You can't be wavering. You gotta, you gotta believe that he's gonna give it to you. Here's the problem sometimes when God gives us wisdom. Um, it is in ways that is hard for us to accept. Sometimes it is the exact opposite of what we were hoping to hear. Um, or sometimes it comes through the person that we don't wanna hear it from. That's me most of the time. Can I just be honest? Like, they're telling me the right things, but I'm not receiving it the right way because I don't like you, right? Just to be honest. Or I don't know about that. But we have to trust that when God says, if you ask for wisdom, I'll give it to you. When we ask for wisdom, he's gonna give it to us. And so we can pray for that. Um, we can pray, God, give me your strength to obey you. We don't have to align with his will because obedience is his will. And if he wants us to obey him, he's gonna give us the strength to do it. Is it gonna be easy? Probably not. But you're gonna have more strength when you ask him for it than if you don't ask him for it. And it says this in Philippians. It says, God is working in you to give you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. God, give me the strength to obey you. And the last one, if we're honest and humble with this, we'll understand how he's working. God, be glorified in my life. Because that's the, like, that's the ultimate goal for him. It's just to be made known throughout the earth, to be glorified in the heavens and the earth. God, just in my life, be glorified. And, and I'm guilty of saying this a lot of times, and, and, and I'll pray this for our team. God, just, just use us. God, use me to do your will. But here's the thing, like, he doesn't need me to do his will. He's already doing 
his will. He's already at work. And so what I try to remind myself to pray is, God, show me where you're already working so that I can get involved because it's your work and it's not mine. Because sometimes if we're praying, God, use me, to be honest, there's a little selfishness there. Like, God, I want to do your will so that I feel good about it. But say, God, open my eyes to where you're already moving and then help me be obedient and, and, and step into that. And at the end of it, God, you get the glory. And, and Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Like the things that Avenue Church does, I don't want it to be about Avenue Church. I want it to be about what our Father's doing. The things that you're doing, I want it to be about what the Father's doing, not just around you and through you, but really more importantly, what he's doing in you because that's the great work. So we submit to God's loving authority. We embrace his priorities. And the last one, last one is this, is we ask the Holy Spirit for help. When we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what God's will is, we ask the Holy Spirit for help. Stephen, how do you do that? Holy Spirit, I need your help, <laughs> right? I, I don't know what to pray. Help me to pray. And he even goes beyond that. The Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, he prays for us. Romans 8, 26 through 27. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, this is the example that Paul gives. Of all the things that Paul gives, this is the example he chooses. He says, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groaning that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us with believers in harmony, in alignment with God's will. So when we don't know what to pray, we can ask for the Holy Spirit to pray. And it says the Holy Spirit prays for us. How does that work? Let me tell you, I don't really know. But I trust God's word and his work and power is mightier than mine. And it says, if I ask for the Holy Spirit to pray for me, it says the Holy Spirit prays for me in alignment and in harmony with God's will. Think about that. When I don't have the words, the Holy Spirit's already prepared praying for us in ways that we can't even begin to understand. And, and this last verse we quote it a lot of times, not in this context, but it says this in verse 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. A lot of times we talk about that as according to like situations and things that we're going through and trauma. God uses all that, and he does. But how cool is it to know that even when we don't know how to pray and align with God's will, we trust the Holy Spirit to pray with us, to pray for us, and in submitting to that, God causes that work to work together for our good. And so everything that we've written down are great things, are good things that we're desiring for, that I'm desiring for you. Like I want at the end of this year to have testimony that, that we take those down off the walls and we can write on the back where God has answered those. But even above and beyond that, 
I want it to be that we have aligned ourselves individually and corporately with what God wants to do in the earth. Because when we surrender to that, his will goes out through our answered prayers. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come back. And we're going to sing the last song, God Turn It Around. Because it's not our trying that turns it around. It's his work that turns it around. And as they're singing and we're worshiping, I want it to be a reflective moment for you. Maybe you've already filled out your card. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you need to add some stuff to it. What does God need to turn around in your life? And as you're seated and you're writing that in reflection and worship, as you finish, I want you to stand and worship. And you can put your card on the back wall, either during the song or after the service, but I want you to put it on the back wall and we're gonna, we're gonna pray over it every week through the rest of this month and believing that God will turn some of these situations around according to his will. And let me pray and then we're gonna sing. Father, I just thank you. God, that you hear us, that our prayers aren't just, aren't just words spoken that bounce off a ceiling that your word says that you've been down to hear our prayers. You told Solomon every prayer offered in the temple would be heard and would be answered. But your word promises that those answered prayers come according to your will. So God, help us to surrender with that. And maybe there have been some things over the last year or two or last few weeks that we've been selfishly praying hoping that you would just work it out for us without thinking about that you've used this season to align us to your heart, to hear from you, to draw close to you. And God, as these dreams, desires, and requests are written down, regardless of how detailed they are, you know what they are. But God, I pray that just as Hannah surrendered all of her limitations and all of her desires to you, that we would do the same thing with these that we hold in our hands. And that we would trust them to you to turn our hearts as you turn them around. Not for our glory, but for yours. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. As you write those down, feel free to put them on the board and then stand in worship.